Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke. I am here with Bishop Todd Hunter. How are you today, Todd? I'm great. I was just thinking, how many episodes in this series? There were six. I can't believe six weeks have gone by this fast. I know. Holy cow. They were fun, though. I'm really glad we did this series. Yes, today is a recap of that uh, of that series. We recently finished that six-part series. If you haven't listened to that series, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was called Reimagining Church for a Post-COVID World. And we had, um, it's kind of the topic, yeah, you, you had brought this up, um, Todd, about just in your conversations with um, pastors and um, different churches in our diocese, just that there is a need to sort sort of uh, do some amount of reimagining of our ministries for this post-COVID world. So we wanted to hear from leaders from a variety of geographic contexts, different church contexts. There were church plants. Um, there were church, churches that got planted during the pandemic. There are uh, larger churches that have been established for a long time. There were big churches. There were small churches. There were churches from all over the country. And uh, we gathered them together in uh, groups of three that we had round the, these roundtable discussions and asked them how they're seeking to reimagine their ministries in the in the kind of the post-COVID world. Uh, because I, I, you know, I think the the general wisdom is we're not really going back to normal. Yeah. It's not like okay, well, glad that's over. Now let's mm-hmm. just do everything exactly like we did it last right. uh, before the pandemic. That there is a need to reimagine things uh, because there is this new normal um, that we don't really know what it's going to feel like or or be like yet. And so there's a a need to be agile, to be adaptive, um, and a need to, and an opportunity even to kind of reimagine what ministry looks like in these various um, categories. So we talked about leadership in week one. Week two, we talked about the use of physical space, since that was kind of the thing that was taken away from most churches. Yeah. Um, Couldn't gather in their normal spaces. Um, then we talked about in week three, we talked about liturgy and sacraments. Week four, we talked about finances. Week five, we talked about community. And then week six, just this last week, we talked about mission and evangelism. And so I thought we'd use this, this final episode here. Um, I guess this is part seven, uh, just to hear some reflections from you, uh, Todd, about just as you've listened to each of these episodes, as you've, um, continued to talk with people, what, um, what do you want to highlight for us or what do you want to bring to the surface? What reflections do you have about um, some of what you heard during this series? Yeah, well, let's begin with the the one observation observation you made that we're not going back to normal in that sense that we all might have hoped had this. Mm-hmm. Remember when remember it was, well, let's just lock down for two weeks and we'll yeah. flatten the curve. <laughs> Right. No. Right. <laughs> it sounds beautifully naive, doesn't it? I know. Oh, we might have to cancel services for a couple weeks. Yeah. So, <laughs> so had that happened, yeah. you know, we, we would have just, in a sense, gone yeah, back to normal. Been, yeah. And then, you know, most of us will remember the, you know, the now kind of famous article that Andy Crouch and Praxis did with the Ice Age uh, illustration. Yeah. But I think you're right, Ben. Um you know, we didn't have really weather in, you know, I lived in California most of my life, so we, we don't really have weather. 72 and sunny every day. Yeah. Right? But yeah. now that I've lived in Tennessee going on two years, um, 
you know, these storms will pass by as, as they do in the Midwest. Like last night, this major downpour that lasted like 10 or 15 minutes and then it's mm -hmm. gone and sometimes mm -hmm. blue skies behind it. Well, you know, the little kids who are out in the street, we were surrounded by a lot of Indian kids who are out in the street playing cricket. Um, you know, they'll go scurrying in or the little toddlers will take their bikes with their training wheels, you know, and go scurrying in and then it passes through and they go back out and play. Yeah. Well, this has not been one of those things. This is more like, uh, to switch metaphors back to California, this has been more like an earthquake and you go out to the street and there's this giant fissure in the middle of the yeah. street. Right. So the thing's over. The earth only shook for 30 seconds or something. But you go back out in the street that you're used to playing in and it's not like a storm went by and you just kind of got to wait for the asphalt to dry a bit. It's mm. the asphalt is cracked. Yeah. Um, yeah, and maybe some of the buildings you used to gather mm -hmm. in are are destroyed or right. um, severely damaged. Or, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we have been um, both sort of burdened and privileged um, to be uh, alive at a, at a time such like this. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure on more, more than one occasion, I've jokingly said that, you know, God's not pacing the golden streets of heaven thinking, oh, myself, I wish I would have had better leaders. <laughs> you know, in the church when this was going to happen in mm -hmm. you know, 2020 mm -hmm. or whatever, yeah. like we're it, you know, we're, yeah. we're the church. And the other thing that comes to mind, <clears throat> Ben, is that um, I've really been uh, proud and grateful at the way the vast majority of our churches have responded to this. And I, I could say everyone, I mean, to my knowledge, mm -hmm. I, I don't know anybody who's had, you know, a big crisis uh, that they couldn't recover from. But in general, um, like this is just church work. If I mean, if you just mm -hmm. think of the history of the church, the apostolic age had its mm -hmm. issues and they had to be present to those issues. I mean, yeah. Nero and Rome and a, a new church figuring itself out, that was real stuff. Yeah. And you got the age of the fathers. That wasn't all just a giant picnic. And you can just mm -hmm. kind of go through church history, you know, medieval times, Reformation, um, imagine being the church in the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. Think of Wesley and Archbishop William Temple and people like that who are watching hundreds of thousands of young children being paraded off to work every day yeah. in these places to work 10 or 12 hours and then barely fed, living in squalor. Um, I mean, you could just go on and on. Mm -hmm. The church has always had to be present to exceptional moments of human brokenness, human depravity, or what we might sometimes call natural disasters or something. Yeah. And we just had the privilege of being able to live and lead through one of them. Yeah. And I think for the most part, when I reflect on um, C4SO, especially reflecting on, you know, just the one from last week, um, there was really an attention to mission. Yeah. Uh, just trying to find a new way to do it. And like, mm -hmm. what does it mean in this, this, um, this moment? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I've been reflecting on that as well. Just, you know, even just literally plagues and pandemics, um, mm -hmm. like the church has had to navigate, um, those, those yeah. issues, those very same issues. Pardon my dog. Somebody just rang the doorbell. So, <laughs> um, so they've had to, they've had to navigate those things, um, in the past and, uh, the church has always, yeah, uh, needed to do that. I, I think I was also struck um, by something you said earlier. Um, I was struck by that as I interviewed 
all these leaders, you know, I don't, I don't have the final count, but you know, six times, six times three, I guess that's 18. We mm-hmm. interviewed at least 18 people. Um, and just, just leaders from all kinds of different contexts. Um, yeah. and I, I was also impressed by the faith, just the, the level of, um, yeah, just, just faith and courage that all of them manifested, mm-hmm. you know, that there was this sense of, yeah, we've encountered some challenges, but, um, even being able to see like, well, there's also some new opportunities here for us to, to sort of maybe get, maybe some, uh, maybe we got into some ruts in terms of just not remembering yeah. the mission of the church and not remembering mm-hmm. what we're, what we're really called to do together. And we've, um, this has allowed us to sort of ask those questions anew and, and disrupted maybe yeah. some unhealthy patterns. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was impressed by those things as well. Another struggle I think I might point out is the, um, the battering of pastors and mm. This isn't just of pastors. I mean, small business owners sure. could get battered by their employers over, do we mm-hmm. have to wear masks or not? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, even the big tech companies have, you know, been sort of battered, but yeah. um, and everything in between. <clears throat> but our, our audience here is ministers. Mm-hmm. And they have been exceptionally battered yeah. um, because, uh, you know, a small business might talk about things from a political or HR point of view, mm-hmm. but in a church, you're talking about it from the point of view of ultimate. Yeah. Like there's nothing more yeah. ultimate than God, you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. church. And so I think I just am so empathetic with pastor for with pastors who have found so many things weaponized. Yeah. Um, against various factions in their church and stuff. Hmm. And I think that, um, again, it, it was a huge challenge. I think it remains a challenge. I, I think that the, the tearing of the fabric of our society is not over yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but with you, I'm just thinking back of those 18 guests that they all were standing. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of panic. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of woe is me. Right. I mean, people were willing to name reality. Mm-hmm. But I lament if they needed to. Yes. Agree. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've been very pleased and um, proud of our clergy, knowing how buffeted they've been, mm. that they've found a way to not stand in a like, you know, a jerk sort of way, but just like make yeah. it through. Like again, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of my upbringing in Southern California on really big wave days, you know, when you're 10 or 12 years out old and you're out in 10 or 12 foot waves, yeah. you just feel battered, yeah. you know, but, but they made it. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. super, super good. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is, I mean, especially considering I have heard anecdotal reports from others, um, from, you know, from people and news and that kind of thing that, um, a lot of, a lot of pastors have quit. Yes. Um, uh, oh, yeah. During during this uh, season, um, and it did have to do with you know just all the all the tensions that were revealed this last episode, um, uh, this last week. We were talking about how these these fractures and these fissures in our in the fabric of our communities, which touches our churches. Right. These things were always there. Yeah. But what happened is they were revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, during this pandemic. And so there's a goodness to that in the sense that being able to see reality is is a good thing. But I do think it was discouraging enough for some pastors, at least, that it was like, I, I got to I gotta get out. Yeah. Um, and, um, 
but yeah, but yeah, I think uh, that that resilience under pressure is something that I noticed as well, at least among the the leaders that we've talked with. Yeah, on this series. Yeah, I think another thing that these uh, conversations have brought to my mind. This is similar to what I was saying about you know just sort of briefly scanning the history of the church, but this is talking about it from a slightly different point of view. That culture consistently gives rise to issues that it itself can't resolve or right. solve. Hmm. It just gives rise to them. Like you said um, a minute ago that we saw things clearer. They were bigger, badder mm-hmm. um, than we might have imagined them to be. Yeah. And so they they came through various aspects of our culture. But the place from which those issues come are not normally the same place from which they can be resolved. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, is something that has challenged us, all of us, over the last 18 months or so. And that is, you know, working on our own personal growth in Christ, connection to the transcendent God, um, whether that's in the offices or in worship or, you know, just our, our daily um, practices in Christ. Mm-hmm. So, so I just think it's a constant challenge to connect to the transcendent mm. in such a way that we can be present to evil and suffering and hardship and yes. disease. Because if you think about it, the last 20 months, we have actually seen evil. Mm-hmm. And I, I just happened to see this. I hadn't seen the numbers in a long time, a couple months maybe. But I guess we're now at 599,000 people in America have died. So yeah. 600,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's just tragedy. Yes. <laughs> and yes. suffering and loss. Yes. And then you think of the economic loss, mm. the hundreds and thousands of restaurants and small businesses that yeah. apparently aren't going to make it, may never come back. Mm. You think of all the losses associated with education. You think of all the losses associated with just birthday parties and 40th anniversaries and retirement parties, all the things that are... They're yeah. lost forever. You'll you'll never be able to get them back. Yeah. So I think the challenge that I think we've all been f- um, forced to try to deal with in this is how do I keep really tightly connected to the transcendent God yeah. who is present to this evil and suffering through, in and through his church? Yeah. Um, I think we all were challenged on that. Yes. So easy yeah. to break the tension of, well, I'm just going to choose, say, the Qumran um, idea of quietus, piousism. So we're going to go live in caves outside of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have mm-hmm. anything to do with this broken, evil world. And then other forms of, <clears throat> you know, not so functional political engagement or just yelling at each yeah. other or whatever as a way of being present to the brokenness. Yeah. Right. So I think Syncretism. finding ways to be okay. present to the evil and brokenness yeah. that is truly redemptive, you know, quoting Jesus, coming truly from our hearts I think we've had a great opportunity to learn about that Hey everybody, Uh, welcome once again to the C4SO Cycloprayer Spotlight where we highlight the specific ministry that we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer and this week we're praying for Resurrection Church in Los Angeles, California, which is currently led by 
John and Jana Ziegler, uh, and they've joined us uh, to share briefly about what's going on right now and how we can pray specifically for them. John and Jana, welcome to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Thanks for having us. We're glad to be here. Um, can you name, now I, I mentioned, uh, uh, that you guys are currently, um, the rectors there, but, um, I know there's a bit of a transition happening here soon. Uh, do you guys want to fill us in a little bit on what's happening there? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I recently, uh, yeah, Chris McDaniel offered us a, a job, invited us to come work with him as trips leaving the North side, their, uh, training Atlanta in prayed about it for a couple of months and uh, we discerned that this was the move that we should make at this time. And so um, as we were thinking about doing that, the biggest concern we had was, you know, what would happen to our church plant, our baby, mm-hmm. the thing mm-hmm. that we've given our lives to over the last seven years um, and just, you know, wanted to know that it would be in good hands. And so the Lord definitely provided uh, a leader, Tisha Hatra, who worked with us, uh, for a while before moving on to do a, a chaplaincy internship in New Orleans is going to be moving back here in October. And we couldn't be more excited to have her uh, be the, in a sense, the second rector of uh, of our yeah. church to follow up behind us. And um, she's an amazing leader and she's so talented and gifted. And um, so anyway, we're super excited about that transition as well as our, our transition to Atlanta, yeah. which will be like moving a little bit closer to home for us, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Everyone says y'all there. I've noticed that yeah. in emails. And that's nice because we say y'all. And so it's going to be really nice. <laughs> that's that's going to be great. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know what it says about me, but I, I tend to say y'all. I just think it's a more precise way of talking yeah. when, I, when I'm when I'm wanting to say you all, like all of you, exactly. plural you. You know, I think right. it's a... a it's, it's a really effective way of. It's efficient. Know. Most languages efficient, have that yeah. efficient use of the U right. plural. Yeah. And yeah. for whatever reason, English lost it. that efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that sounds like there's big transitions happening there, um, obviously. And we'll um, we'll probably chat with Tisha as well as she uh, gets ready to um, take on that role um, in the coming months. But um, in light of these transitions, um, how can we pray for you? Um, how can we pray for Church of the Resurrection. Yeah, transitions are are tricky times, and they, and in our case, it's very bittersweet. There's a lot of like sadness in our leaving, but also a lot of joy in what is to come. Mm-hmm. And so, I think a big, a really a big prayer request is just to hold up our congregation in this time of transition that they have the space to um, grieve what what they're losing, and and then turn their face with joy to. Um, to the future that God has set before them. Um, so yeah, I think holding holding that, holding our congregation in prayer, and then also um, holding the leadership in prayer as we move on. And uh, we have an interim coming, Father Jin Cho, and then also uh, Tisha coming after that. So there's a little bit of steps to get to that yeah. point. So holding yeah. all of that transition in prayer. Yes, very good. Well, that is that is a lot. Um, and it does sound like um, it's not going to be a... A, a switch, you know, uh, it's going to be several, several moves, you guys leaving and Jin kind of stewarding things uh, for a while and then Tisha coming in. And so, yeah, all of that is uh, fraught with uh, challenge um, and opportunity as well. So we'll, uh, we'll keep it, keep, 
keep you guys in mind and keep it in prayer. Um, how uh, how old? This is a curiosity of mine. How old is the church plant? When did you guys plant? That's a church? great question. Yeah, so <laughs> almost uh, seven years ago. Okay. Today, you know, we well, was two weeks before graduation, Jana had our birth, our first baby. Uh-huh. So, and then two weeks later, we graduated from Fuller, and I think sometime that week, we had a. a a gang of friends in our living room sharing with them about, Hey, we're going to start this church and it's going to be an Anglican church. And we're want you to pray about being a part of it with us. You know? So we started doing the office like right away and inviting people into that. So, Hmm. so you could say about seven years from the living room. uh, And then our, our our first kind of regular Sunday gathering started in January of 2016. So Hmm. uh, that's usually when we do our big party, you know, our anniversaries. I think this year, this last year we celebrated five years. Okay. Uh, but really, we still have people that are with us in their first day in the living room that have been with us okay. for seven years. Wow. So okay. technically five and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, very good. Um, I guess I was just interested. I, I think I'd love to do a um I'd love to do an episode about some of these transitions and just kind of see what people are learning about coming into a new church uh, that has already existed uh, for a while and how maybe the differences between that and uh, what it's like to um plant a church, uh, which you, you guys will have both experiences here yeah. uh, after a little bit. So we're asking the same questions ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll, we'll give you a, I'll give you a couple months to learn and then uh, you get to share what you're learning. So great. does that sound good? Yeah. All right. sounds great. Oh, well, uh, Jana, John, thanks for joining us today. Um, listeners, if you'd like to find out more about Church of the Resurrection or to contribute to their work, check out the link in the show notes. I was just reading uh, this morning, actually, in a book, um, a book I'm reading right now on contemplative prayer, um, which is you know one of these practices that connects us to the transcendent, as you were saying. And um, the, the the author was making this point that um, we oftentimes think of the contemplative life as uh, the opposite of the active life, yeah. being engaged, mm-hmm. right? So the right. engaged life and the contemplative life, and so the contemplative life is all about going on retreats and right. and uh, uh, sort of insulating yourself from the harsh realities of the world, and then the active life is the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, but he was pointing out, this author was saying that um, actually the opposite of the contemplative life is not the active life; it's the reactive life. Mm, yeah, it's the it's the life that doesn't have that grounding yes. in God mm-hmm. that just is only able to react, um, just just to whatever's happening in the moment. You know, I get the, I guess the, the picture of James talking about people who are blown this way and that, you know, by the wind yeah. and unable to, to really ground themselves. And so um, I, I like that um, challenge, I guess, or that uh, picture that you're painting that um, it is, and that, that's been my experience as well. It's just, I've realized that to face these, these very real challenges that have been, you know, this past 18 months has probably been more challenging for a lot of people than, than their whole ministry up until sure. this point. Yeah. Um, I know it certainly has been for me. Um, and I, you know, I remember early on when the pandemic hit, like I, I was living reactively for a couple of weeks. Mm. Like I just was checking Twitter and checking the news. Yeah. And che- I was yeah, just like, what is going on? You know? Yes. Yeah. And your mind just kind of keeps yeah. returning to that. And I remember after a couple of weeks, I was just like, okay, this is going to last a while. I need to learn how to live yeah. <laughs> differently. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah, those were crazy 
two, four, six, eight weeks. I don't remember how long they lasted, but yeah. Yeah. We're all scrambling to yes, figure out what is this mean. Is society yeah. ending? What's happening? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess a way for me to illustrate this connection of um, um, a really tight connection with the God who is hidden, right? Like mm. he doesn't just show up on billboards on one of our interstates, right? Right. right. So whatever the, I'm just trying to put the cookies on a lower shelf here, this, our own sort of hidden relationship with God manifesting itself in public for the good of others. Mm. So if you think of Mm -hmm. even just the era of Jesus, similar to a totalitarian country in the world today, people were literally being scooped up off the streets and arrested if, if you were in this Jesus way. And you remember, hmm. Ben, in the Synoptics, there's this moment where Jesus says, hey, look, if you get arrested or if you're mm-hmm. called to give an account of your life before a magistrate or some ruler, don't worry. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Mm-hmm. Well, we read that, you know, like a charismatic will read that as like a proof text, right? <laughs> or Pentecostal right, right. will read it as a proof text. Yeah. Um, uh, and then others will read it as, a, well, I don't know what the heck that meant. Mm-hmm. what that means, because I don't have a robust imagination for the person work of the Spirit. Yeah. But if we just stop and think for a minute, Jesus was being eminently practical. Yeah. And it was meant to give them peace and a sense right. of groundedness that, right. yeah, you know, bad stuff is is happening all around us because of this Jesus movement. But like when the rubber meets the road, you know, don't worry, it'll be okay. And it's mm-hmm. only people who I think are living into that kind of life who then are free to be present as mm-hmm. agents of justice and peace. Otherwise, yeah. we're freaking out too much and we can't really be present. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's that's a major thing that uh, was necessary <laughs> for mm-hmm. me to learn and relearn and, you know, kind of oh, take to a deeper place. Yeah, it's, it's way easy for me to say it was, we've all been challenged about it, you know, yeah. dozens of times yeah. in the yeah. last 20 months. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I wonder, uh, Todd, if there, um, I wonder if you have any other reflections, um, that you'd want to offer, uh, Um, I, I would maybe highlight, um, the creativity Hmm. that I've seen in our guests. Mm -hmm. And I would like to highlight the faithfulness that I seen in Hmm. our guests. Even the ones who are feeling a little battered have found a way to be faithful. Mm -hmm. You know, faithfulness is not like a Marvel character, (laughs) um, it's not superhuman. Uh, I see. Um, yeah. You know, mo- oh, so many great saints, like Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. you know, she's such an icon of kingdom goodness, but never felt like a Marvel superhero. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. knows she struggled with her own um, sense of her own spirituality from time to time. Yeah. Or I, I think of... Uh, Dorothy Day, um, similarly, this, you know, amazing woman working for goodness and yet sometimes struggling with her own faith. And so I know we've all struggled uh, and I I notice that, I don't deny it, 
but I take great hope and encouragement from the fact that in the struggle, um, people mm-hmm. have been faithful. I mean, judging by our guests and yeah. the other conversations I have, people have yeah. somehow crawled their way to faithfulness. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And I, I, I attribute, you know, I just, I, I love the, I attribute a lot of that creativity to just people maintaining a connection to the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that they're able to, you know, uh, somehow in their prayer, just have an idea, you know, and it's like, well, obviously there's, there's probably the work of the spirit is, um, is there. Um, and I think that I, I took heart, uh, to hear some of those ideas and, and think, oh yeah, we, maybe we could do that or, you know, that kind of a thing. And so the way that those ideas, uh, then get to spread through other churches, you know, in our diocese and beyond, I think it was a really beautiful, um, yeah. creativity. To I might say one other word of hope to, all the clergy listening who feel bad that I only crawled my way to faithfulness. Like I didn't go through it. Like I kind of wanted to be a Marvel hero or I judged myself because I wasn't. I see. And I would just want to say to you how, um, how proud your father in heaven is that you Mm. did crawl your way uh, to faithfulness. Um, I often think of like a family at a birthday party or something and um, somebody has a you know a new baby who's 10 or 11 months old and <clears throat> you know on that age they're starting to pull themselves up to a coffee table and they yeah. they kind of let go and they're a little wobbly and you think oh no is this going to be it and then they mm-hmm. plop down on their diaper well everybody in the room doesn't go what an idiot baby what a <laughs> jerk that baby's crazy and then the you know yeah. the baby pulls itself back up and it yeah. maybe turns around and looks at mom and takes its first step or two and then crashes down on its diaper again you know the mm-hmm. room goes nuts with did mm-hmm. you see that mm-hmm. like that is so precious and i yeah. would just want all of our listeners to hear that that's the way god feels about you yeah. you may notice the times you fell on your butt yeah but god notices that with all the ups and downs, you did make your way to faithfulness and it's precious to him. And uh, I would want everybody to know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, um, that's really helpful. Um, a good pastoral word. Um, any, any final, uh, just word for the listeners, any, any, any final word for, uh, people who are out there, they're maybe leaders, they're maybe people in our churches who are, beginning to kind of regather, they're beginning to think about what ministry is going to look like in this, in this post COVID world. Um, you know, they've maybe listened to this series and they're, you know, they're facing the work day today and they've got to, you know, they've got to get out there and kind of reimagine things just to, mm-hmm. I don't know, final bishops, uh, pastoral word or charge or encouragement yeah. that you could give us before we go. I would say I think really fundamental to our work and our being in this next era, um, however long it ends up being, you know, because, you know, big things come out of the blue, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there could be another big civil rights thing that blows up or, uh, you know, something blows up around the world or whatever, and then everything becomes polarized so fast. But yeah. um so however long this era is, I believe in this era we're coming into, we need to just get back to basics. Like a football mm-hmm. analogy would just be like blocking and tackling. Mm-hmm. Um, to really keep the main thing the main thing and to try to find your way to, changing metaphors, kind of a, 
a high ground that's above the fray. It doesn't deny the fray. It doesn't seek to be utterly disconnected from the fray, but refuses to be merely drawn into the fray. And my imagination for that is uh, a combination of the way Dallas Willard used to teach on the Great Commission. Hmm. Or if you think about his book, The Great Omission, that, that would actually not be a bad book to just review if you haven't read it in a while to think about this next era. Or, and so to me, I guess what's funded my imagination for a long time now is Dallas's work on the Great Commission and the way Eugene Peterson paraphrased it in uh, The Message. Mm. And that's, I, this, that's my point of imagination when I'm going back to blocking and tackling. So for instance, yeah. in The Message, Eugene has Jesus saying, here's what I want you to do train everyone. And, you know, this is a caricature, so I I admit I'm caricaturing here for the sake of time. But late modern Protestant mainstream evangelicalism kind of made everything about soteriology uh, Mm -hmm. and and a a theory of the atonement. And we sort of fought over that to make sure we had the right way to go to heaven when you die. Right. That's a very different imagination than train everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember some of your comments now that I'm thinking about it, Ben, throughout the series of, um, of, of the work that, like, I know you guys are doing at the table in Indy to rethink discipleship. Well, this is exactly what Jesus is getting at. It's like mm-hmm. train everyone. And this doesn't mean like training for orientation at a new job or something. Um, I think Eugene's just trying to, he tried to pick a word that was like a practiced word. It yes. was a, yeah. it was an active thing, not mm-hmm. so that discipleship didn't become just mental assent to a couple of key doctrines exactly. around Christology yeah. or soteriology or something. Right. So he imagines, so just train everybody you meet. Well, train them what? In this way. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And as, as the apostles and the crowd saw Jesus, they they saw um, his manner of being, his the way he carried himself in the world. Mm-hmm. They saw his tender and dramatic miracles, and they heard what he taught. And so Jesus is saying to the 12 and to all of us, I want you to like shape, I'll use my own words now, like take the people that are in your community, including yourselves, and shape yourselves yeah. around this way of being in the world. Mm-hmm. And then he says, baptize him in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I can just remember so many times Dallas getting a little smirk on his face and saying, and by the way, that doesn't mean get people wet by say, while you're mm-hmm. saying Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> that it means mm-hmm. to immerse people in the triune reality. I mean, I just yes. can't tell you how evocative of, of an imagination that is both for my own life Yes. And my own sense of working with other people in discipleship is I'm trying to immerse their life and think about the power of these two words, the triune reality. Yes. So, Because otherwise, as you were saying, Ben, when we all were guilty of this, we get immersed in the news, news cycle. And so right. you're right, those first few right. weeks, we're just freaking out. Well, yeah. why? Well, we're, we're immersed in the news cycle. And of course, you know, that's unavoidable. I don't mean that we're ever perfect. But I just mean to put before us an alternative that we want to constantly be working our way towards. And that is that our fundamental orientation to life is that we're immersed in this big Mm -hmm. story of the triune God. Mm -hmm. And then in the message, Jesus, uh, Eugene has Jesus saying, and then I want you to instruct them in the practice. 
Well, the practice of what? Of everything I've commanded you. And so I, that, to me, I think is the is the uh, the big thing right now. It's just getting back to blocking and tackling whatever that might mean in your setting. Yeah. Just sort of back to the basics that this is a Jesus movement, mm-hmm. and God is you know um, shepherding um, uh, his um, creation and its history to its intended fulfillment. Um, this is our Father's world, as I sometimes say. We can rest in that. Yes. And then the last thing I would say is the um, the the incredible, like unspeakably powerful promise of Jesus saying, "And I will be with you, mm-hmm. even up age after age after age, um, all the way up into the end." And so it's a lovely picture for me to think of um, clergy and lay leaders who listen to this podcast, thinking, "Man." I just sort of bounced on my butt and my diaper through this thing. Right. And me knowing, yeah, I, I get that you feel that way, but you know why you did? Because God was with you. Yeah. Even when you felt like you were just bouncing on your butt, God was with you. Yeah. Or if maybe you had great creative ideas during this time and made surprisingly big impacts. Yes, yeah. like you said earlier, Ben, that's the mm-hmm. spirit yeah. with you. And so I guess I would want to, just end by saying, um, keep the main things the main things, just blocking and tackling the Jesus movement, the kingdom, the spirit, um, you know, the communities in which we're trying to be agents of the kingdom and agents of good. Um, but that it's not all on us just blocking and tackling. But the great promise of the scriptures in many other places is that God is with us in these difficult yes. times. Yes. It's a good word, Todd. Thank you. Appreciate Thank that. Thank you, Ben. It's been a fun series. It has been. Are we going to take a little break now? What's up next? We are, yeah. What's next is we are going to take uh, four or five weeks off here uh, from the podcast. We're going to enjoy a little vacation, and I hope uh, our listeners are able to do yes. so as well. Uh, we might we might continue to do the prayer spotlight, maybe just, record, maybe just release a, a mm-hmm. quick episode, um, because the prayer spotlight continues even through, um, even though yes. we might not be doing full episodes. Um, yeah, I would encourage uh, listeners to subscribe to the podcast. If you don't, um, rate us on like Apple Podcasts and different things. I think that helps people find us. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what has been helpful so far about the podcast for you. We'd love to hear ideas. We'd love to hear what you know if there's things that you want to hear more of. Um, we want to hear that. So just uh, email us at communications at c4so.org. Uh, Andrea, I think, gets those emails so, probably. Yeah. She can filter them so, for us. So, Ben, people can't. They can't shout through their uh, podcast app. No, on their it's, smartphone. it's a one way. Yeah, it's a one way communication. Um, we can <laughs> so, we can talk more about that, but that it doesn't work that way. We can't hear you. So let me say so. on behalf of all the <laughs> listeners who I hear from, um, thank you for, so much for your leadership in this and for guiding us through this series and coordinating everything. It's been great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Appreciate that. We will reconvene after a few weeks and be back with more discussions uh, about kind of practical ministry stuff. What's it, what's it like to, to do church nowadays? And I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, not seeing you every Wednesday, but well, I'll you'll, muddle you'll have through. to survive. Yeah. You'll have to survive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Uh, good to see you, Todd. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. 
email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.